so hopefully you'll come for building emotional resilience. Um, so um, why are we talking about building emotional resilience? Well, um, um, I'm a pharmacist. I work at Ipswich Hospital. I've been a pharmacist for 30 years now. Uh, so I work part-time because at the other times I'm fostering, I foster newborn babies. Uh, I've done that for 10 years. We're on baby number eight at the moment, and uh, he's very gorgeous. He's now nearly five months. So um, I've been to lots of courses. They, they send you on courses, don't they, at work? So we have courses for well-being seem to suddenly be happening. So I've got a course for work. I've got a course for the foster carers. And I began to wonder why, why we're going on these courses. And God just put an interest in me to look into, into this a bit further. And um, then I got very excited about it. So that's why we're talking about it today. So I'm going to talk a bit about the stuff they teach you on the courses. But I will try and skip over that uh, as, because I want to get to the Bible bit. Um, I have got some resources there with a couple of websites on. But there is so much, if you Google things, that you can find. So we'll crack on. So we've got my funny slide now. This is just to... Um, this is a sign that was above a toilet when I was on holiday a couple of weeks ago and uh, telling you which way the toilets were. So that was quite funny, really. <laughs> so just to, just to break the ice there. Welcome, welcome. Come in. So I think we'd agree that that's a good sign and women are always right, okay? <laughs> right, Sarah. I'm going to have Bill on this side, so... Yeah, I'll have Just the next one. Okay, welcome, welcome. So what is it to start with? So emotional resilience is, uh, it measures our ability to cope with or adapt to stressful situations or crises. So it's about helping us to cope when, uh, with all the things that life throws at us. Um, first thing I want to say is, I always used to think emotional resilience was something some people had, some people didn't have. And that's not true. We've all got it, we've all got it to different measures, um, but it's a skill, so we can all learn it and we can all grow in it. Okay. And here's a picture of uh, another holiday. <laughs> this is a, a, a palm tree across a beach in uh, Antigua. And what happened here was, in uh, 30 years ago, there was a, a, a hurricane, Hugo, and um, all the trees, in this hotel blew down apart from this one tree and um, sadly I haven't gone back far enough but uh, so from the rest of the new trees that they planted were all upright and this one tree is just all across the beach horizontally and as you can see at the end it's just started to go up it's 30 years old this tree and um, I think it's a picture of resilience that we have to be flexible uh, and learn to bend and with with what's going on around us but that gives us our strength because if we're rooted in God, that's where we get our strength from. The reason this tree stood is because its roots were so good. So, you know, we learn to be flexible, but we are rooted in God. So that's just a little picture. Next slide. So what influences emotional resilience? So I've got a few things here. The first one's nature. So our personalities are all different, as we know. So I'm thinking of my own family. So I, and as often is the case, is completely opposite to my husband. I'm a bit of a control freak, like things in order, um, worry about stuff, get very stressed about things. Um, whereas my husband, very laid back, doesn't really care, goes with the flow, <laughs> completely opposite. 
So, and my kids are just the same, got three kids, all completely different personalities. So as we know, in our nature, we have a measure of resilience. And I've looked a lot about happiness. Happiness, they're doing lots of work around happiness. And um, I don't know if anyone here has read anything about it, but um, the three things they look at when they look at how happy people are, are that influence them, are their genes, their circumstances, and things that they can change. So anyone want to guess what percentage of each? What percentage of your genes determines how happy you are? Anyone? Five. How many? Five. Five. What determines uh, circumstances? How many percent? Seventy. Seventy. Okay. And what determines, you know, the bit you can control, what determines that then? Okay. So you'll be surprised at the answer then to this. <laughs> The answer is genes control 50%. So, you know, if you're a naturally pessimistic person, like me, then, <laughs> then don't despair because, you know, 50% the reason for that is your genes and you can't touch that. Um, circumstances in life, again, I thought was much higher, is only about 10%. And 40% is within our control to alter. So that's quite shocking, isn't it? So. My takeaway from that was really, hooray, I'm not guilty because I'm a pessimist. Because <laughs> half of it's not my fault. <laughs> but, you know, we are all to fight. So we all have to fight harder, but we've got to fight for happiness because that's what God wants. So, you know, don't despair. God's got an answer. We're coming to that later. Um, and circumstances do affect us, but we are able to change our thinking, as we'll see later, and affect our happiness. So that's a nurture. Right, yeah, so I foster children, and um, although I do babies, I've seen others with siblings, and I've seen you can have the siblings in the same family that go through the same stuff, and one will grow up unaffected, or uh, apparently, you know, able to cope much better with stuff, and one will be, you know, in a mess and find things hard, and that's part of uh, nature and nurture in that, okay? so. Nurture is definitely an issue. Pressures. Okay, so sometimes in life we can cope with stuff, no problem. And then we'll have a season where everything goes wrong. And that you get a last straw effect, don't you? So like recently, my dad was seriously ill. You know, the baby had issues, my daughter had issues. Um, and then the washing machine broke. And then, and then, the dishwasher broke and you just think well you know if my dishwasher broke I wouldn't really mind but you know at the end of it all you just think I just had enough you know <laughs> just sometimes different pressures on us we can't cope with what we would normally cope with different seasons so again I find now that um, I worry a lot more as I'm getting old than I did before and I don't know why that is I can't tell you maybe it's hormones whatever but I think different seasons of life, we have different worries and different pressures on us, uh, different capacities. So some, some people are able to naturally cope with more than others. So you have to know yourself, know your capacity, know what you can cope with. Uh, oh yeah. So this is a nice picture. Oh yeah. So this nice picture really was um, something that we had in our life group recently. This is June's garden. I don't know if June's here. Are you here, June? That's her garden. And we were having this, we were walking through June's garden in our life group praying. And um, Bebs, who's in our church, had a little word. And you probably can't see it too well, but each 
part of that bit of ground, you had weeds in one bit, you had one bit that was dug over, you had one bit where the seeds were just sprouting, and you had one bit that was full of fruit. And I thought it was a really good picture um, that, you know, God's in all seasons, there's life in all seasons, although perhaps the bit in the f- that was all being dug over, there's, there's not much evidence of that. But God is always there, and what's the ever season we're in, and whatever stuff we're going through right now. And the bit on the bit on the top is about um, a bit in the Bible about Aaron when he just held his staff and God said, I'm showing who's going to lead the people of Israel. And he made the stick sprout, bud, blossom and have right almonds on it, it says. And again, God is able to breathe life wherever you're at and he's able to produce fruit wherever you're at. Right, so we'll move on now to how to build emotional resilience. So this is part of the core stuff that they teach you. Uh, so the, one of the websites I put here, I've just got stuck with the main ones. So it's the NHS website. Well, it's amazing stuff on there. I don't know if anyone's looked at it. But um, there's all sorts of things about well-being and things to do to uh, calm yourself down, to help with different issues. And I'm just going through their main points quickly. And to show you, I was quite surprised how biblical they are. This is what's quite surprising and I suppose we shouldn't be surprised because God is the answer but these are good tools so look up the website and look around they have sorts of video clips and they had all sorts of things issues on there so uh, have a look at that so the first one is connecting and again we sh- what it's saying is the importance of resilience surprisingly is that you need to connect to other people and I think we've had um, Anna upstairs just sharing how she had to cut out her social media because that's a huge part of our lives now isn't it especially the younger people and um and there are lots of studies to show that social media is not connecting it's not how you connect so connecting in this in what they mean here is having meaningful relationships meeting up with people having coffee getting to know people and growing in your relationships in depth and to do that you have to invest time and effort the next one is be active again not surprising exercise looking after your body the bible talks a lot about that looking after your body um, and what it's see- seeing is it's not going to the gym so we're not talking about going to the gym but we're talking about getting out and walking dancing gardening whatever you like doing it's exercising in a way you like but exercising just getting outside and seeing nature these things reduce your stress levels and help you to sleep better okay the next one is take notice and this is also called mindfulness there's lots of stuff on mindfulness um, and it is interesting because this isn't Christian but <laughs> it, it will, we will talk about the Christian side of it and um, this is talking about our thought patterns and we don't take time because we're rush, 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 busy, busy, busy. We don't take time to be where we're at. So we might be with somebody and thinking, oh, I've got to do that. I've got to get the kids. I've got to go shopping. And I've got to. And you're always somewhere else in your head. So what it's saying is you need to be mindful of where you're at, be in the situation you're in, and be in the moment, not worrying about what was yesterday, what's tomorrow, what's later. Um, it's talking about not reliving past problems in your mind all the time it's talking about challenging your negative thoughts and being kind to yourself so again it's all scriptural things 
be aware of the world around you. So it's saying, take time when you're out, saying, oh, look, well, look at that beautiful flower, look at that beautiful view, because we're so busy rushing around, we don't stop and, and look. So that helps with your well-being. The next one is keep learning. So keep learning, learning a new skill. So this might be, you know, taking up an old hobby. It might be going to a museum, reading about something you like, you're interested in, uh, doing a course, learning to cook a new meal. It's not massively huge things, but doing different things and give yourself a challenge. And the last one is giving, which again, very biblical. <laughs> so um, one of the biggest uh, influences on your well-being can be gratitude and thankfulness so we are quite used to having lots of stuff but we have to learn to be grateful and grateful not only for things but for people so it's saying thank someone thank someone in the shop smile at them it's saying volunteer and help show acts of kindness to people and although you're blessing somebody else that's actually blessing you so isn't it good? This is this is all non-Christians teaching, by the way, on my courses. <laughs> but it's good how you know it's God all the way through it, isn't it? Uh, so the next slide. So it's not just about feeling happy, but coping. So these next slides should come up. Please. So there's three other points on this slide. First one's challenge. So this is this is talking about the fact that we are all going to have challenges, and sometimes we feel oh it's only me and it's always happening to me and why is it always me and they, I'll never cope with this it's going to be the worst thing in my life ever and it's saying we have to learn to accept that challenges happen to everyone their own is going to come and we have to get things in perspective look at the good in every bad situation and as I said as we said earlier with our genes some of us find that easier than others so if you find it hard it's a skill you can work on it and you can improve um, commitment so uh, one of the things it's talking about here is having a sense of feeling that you have a sense of purpose in life, that, what you, that you are important. And we know as Christians we've got a huge other area to go into with that later. But um, in, this, in the context of the courses, they tell you to have a goal. Go towards it, write it down, make small steps, achieve it, whatever that goal is. And then commit to it and stick at it, endure personal goals is the last one so this is all about focusing on things you can control not on things you can't so again if you're like me i will tend to want to control everything <laughs> and worry about everything and you can't do that so you have to focus on the things you are responsible for and that you can influence and leave the rest again that's not always easy but it's the stuff that we have to learn and grow in and i'm aware that you know people have serious issues and and sometimes you need more help and then that's that you should recognize when you're needing that extra help and go to the GP or go to whoever is needful so why is this emotional resilience so important well I started looking at mental health statistics in Britain this this is why it's important this is why the government are investing so much money in courses for people and on the websites so it is a national problem and one in four people now have mental health problems diagnosed, so that's lots more undiagnosed. And it doesn't, it's not to do with that being affluent because America is known as the most, people are the most anxious in the world who live in America, and that's probably the richest nation in the world. So it's not to do with how much stuff we have. 
It's to do with the resilience of coping with what's been thrown at us. So the numbers are increasing all the time. And interestingly for today, women are more likely to be affected than men. That's statistics. And young women, particularly aged 16 to 24, is sort of the worst bracket, which has surprised me. I, 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 you know, I was surprised by that. So we need to look out for our youth. Um, at the minute, this severe, or many of the conditions, as a pharmacist I know, is, uh, are treated with medication, and that is necessary, and you need to control symptoms. But just to show you how big an issue it is, that spend on medicines in this field, so anti-anxiety, anti-depression medication, has doubled in the last 10 years. And that's not because of cost. Costs are the same of the drugs, so that's use. So it is a growing area. Um, and, but there are, as we know, again, lots of te te television adverts changing therapy, uh, changing attitudes, you know, wa wanting us to be familiar and own up and get help. And there's loads and loads of talk therapies coming in now. So there'll be counselling, cognitive behavioural therapy, CBT, which are all good. And they all work on challenging our thinking. So as Christians, as we look, see later, we've got a head start there because uh, we've got the answers. Why? Why, uh, why is this an issue? Well, there's a mixture of reasons. I've just put a few up here. So it could be finance is a huge one. Everyone wants what everyone else has got. So sometimes they go into debt to get it and that causes huge pressure. Family problems, work stress, trauma. Um, and, and this for the youngsters particularly and probably more so for all of us, social media, peer pressure, online bullying is a huge issue because this is a whole hidden area and, uh, of pressure on our heads. So I would like you, if you've got a bit of paper now, just to, we're going to have a mindfulness moment before we move on to what the Bible says. And we're going to think, I want you to write down, I'm not want you to show anyone, I not want you to tell anyone what you're writing down, I'm not going to ask you to tell us, but I want you to think, can you write down on a bit of paper, for your own use and reflection, two or three of your own strengths? might be a few short I think I did four When you've done that, can you then write down two or three of your weaknesses? tell me what they are but but hopefully you've got some and um, <laughs> I mean you, we normally know don't we which is easier which was easier to uh, to write down for your weaknesses so we, we always <laughs> we're always going to focus on what we're weakest at but we need to focus on our strengths 
So the first thing you wrote down, your strengths. Spend time praying and asking God, you know, thank you, or thanking God for making you that way. And how can you, how can God, you, can you use me more in these areas? And, and we're going to look at weaknesses in terms of the, what the Bible says to do with those. But basically, spend time thinking, how does the enemy get at me with these weaknesses? And we, we'll do a bit more on that later. So we've got a questionnaire gone out. Now this was another one on one of the courses. I think this was on the Suffolk Mind course I went on for work. Um, you can, you don't have to do it now. You can take it home, do it at home. What the guy, this was really useful for me because at the time when I went on this course, it was, um, I was quite low. Well, my last baby had uh, just gone onto adoption and that's always a hard time because you know, you obviously they're like your child and then you'll give them over uh, to somebody else and you don't really know what's going on with them for a while so um, that just happened and normally when my babies go I go straight back to work at the hospital but in that season the hospital was on a price freeze and had no money for extra staff so I didn't have work for quite a while and I like being busy so I was I had quite a low time so doing this questionnaire uh, doing this course and, and looking at this questionnaire was quite helpful for me because I realised that um, the, the one that, that I scored lowest in at that time, and again, this is, this is going to change. You're not going to be fixed on, on these questionnaires or what's your high and low score. It'll change. And, um, but my lowest one was self-esteem and sense of purpose. And um, it made me think about and ask God look you know where am I getting my sense of purpose and my and my esteem from um, and I need to change that I need to go back to God with it and say it's not in what I do but it's in God isn't it so although that's not what they meant it to uh, <laughs> that's too that helped me but you know it's just a tool it's not something you have to you know do anything with other than for your own reflection but um, what the guy said was if you score less than three in any of those areas it's an area you need to work on. And you may score less than three in lots of areas, but what he said was, if that is an area you score low, score low on, think about how you can up the score. What can you do? Say for me, um, I had to go back to God and say, my sense of purpose, my identity uh, is in you, God, and not in what I do. And I had to pray that through at that time. And um, I know I probably still will have to do that again. But, so if you're scoring less than three, ask God or look at practical ways of making a difference to that score. So if you're, if you're one, one of them is, one of them is attention. So if you feel, you know, I, I'm not getting any attention, then one of your answers might be, right, I'm going to invite somebody for coffee and I'm going to invest in that friendship and I'm going to make new friends and I'm going to step out and do things with other people or I'm going to sign up for a course. So it's things like that, it's practical ways of increasing your score. And what the guy on the course said was, he has to do it, he, does, he just said he, was, um, he did his every week. So he has this and he does it every week and he gives a little self-check, oh yes, I'm not very good in that area. So I haven't done that, but <laughs> just if that helps. Okay, so you can um, take that on. So now we're going to uh, look at what the Bible says. We looked at what the world's teaching is. And I found some, you know, some of it's helpful. We don't, we don't dismiss it. Um, but now we see what the Bible says. So I went back to ask God, 
what what can we have that you know that I can bring today? And, I, and the first thing that came was the fall. So where it all started, where it all went wrong, really. So in in Eden, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve walked in God's presence. They were secure and safe, and they were known by God. And um, I think that's where it all went wrong, really. When when the, the Satan came, he obviously we know the story. He challenged. He challenged Eve, well, did God really say that? Did he say? He came with his lies and his temptations and deceit, as he does. And what he got Eve to do was to doubt God. She, and as we know, Adam and Eve fell um, and brought separation from God. Um, so with that came fear, blame and shame. And, and I think that is the essence, really, that we've heard this morning from Jean, that the answer to it all is God's presence because he is our father and we're supposed to walk with him in his presence and yesterday it's funny I was uh, praying and um, God gave me this little picture when I was holding my baby and um, he's saying you know that baby went off to contact with his parents and his birth parents and of course we are his parents in his eyes he doesn't understand and um, he goes off and he's all very strange and he gets stressed and that's part of separation anxiety um, so with, with the same with us I felt God saying it's the same with us when we're separate from our father God when we don't have that close walk with him we get anxious and we don't feel safe and then all these thoughts come in so the answer is to seek intimacy with God as Jean's already shared get into his presence seek his face and his relationship with him so the Bible the Bible's great, isn't it? The, again, we've had that this morning. The Bible's always the answer. We go back to the Bible. And the Bible is full of examples of people who are not perfect. So if you want to be encouraged, read the Bible. Because you go, oh, good. You know, God didn't use perfect people. And one I want to focus on today is Elijah. God brought Elijah to me. Um, we haven't got time to go into all the whole story. I'm going to bring out essences but if you want to go and read 1 Kings 17 through to 19 the story of Elijah's life uh, that, that you can do further later but basically Elijah was a great prophet in the Old Testament he lived in the time of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel who Ahab was said to be the most evil ruler ever, ever and he ruled Israel and they brought in the worship of Baal and Baal was a, a power god he was a, the bull symbol and interestingly, he was said to be the God of rain and bountiful harvest. So obviously God said to Elijah, well, go and bring a drought. So, <laughs> so God had to go to Ahab and, you know, declare a drought on the land. The drought lasted for three years. So obviously everyone was in famine. Elijah himself was in famine. But God brought provision to Elijah. He, he sent him to Kerith, to a, a brook there, to, which never dried up. They gave him water and he sent ravens. I don't know why ravens, perhaps we would have liked doves really or something nicer. But ravens came and brought him meat and bread day and night. And so that went on for a while and then that stopped and that ran out. And God said, right, Elijah, off you go. I'm going to send you to a different land, not, not to Israel, a different land. And there'll be a widow there and she's going to provide for you. Um, and as we know, the widow was on her last bit of bread and uh, flour and oil. And Elijah said, can, can you make me some bread? And she said, well, I'm just having this last meal with my son and we're going to die because we've got no more. And he said, well, okay, 
make me the bread and that'll never run out till the droughts ends. And that's what happened. So, you know, I don't know about you, but I've not had these things happen in my life really. So Elijah was just an amazing, seeing loads of amazing miracles to all his prophecies. He then went to Mount Carmel and we famously know about the showdown. He said, we're gonna have a showdown with the Baal prophets. We're gonna have two sacrifices. Baal prophets, you get on with yours and uh, I'll get on with mine and let's see who wins. And he, so the, the prophets of Baal, they were dancing and slashing themselves and shouting all day long and nothing happened. And Elijah was quite cocky, you know, if you read it, he says, oh, come on, what's going on? Is your God sleeping? Is he on the toilet? You know, what's, what's happening? <laughs> and um, they just, nothing happened, obviously, because they're false gods. Uh, and then Elijah said, okay, my turn. And he just prayed one prayer. And I, and I poured water all over his as well, just to make it harder. And the whole thing went up in flames instantly because God came, the fire came. Um, he then ran ahead. He said, right now the rain's going to come. And he ran ahead and beat a chariot back to the city to tell Ahab it was coming. So he lived in a massive victory, Elijah. Um, amazing miracles he saw. But what happened next? I'll read to you what happened next. Uh, immediately, this, this is not like after a lot of time. This is immediately. He ran, ran off back to the city. Uh, he just conquered all these prof uh, prophets of Baal. And they'd all been killed. So it was all very horrific. But um, here it says what happens next. Now Ahab told Jezebel, that's uh, Queen Jezebel, everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying god deals with me be it ever so severely if this by this time tomorrow i do not make your life like one of them so she's saying right and um, she just gave him one threat she said i'm going to kill you and elijah just crumpled uh, we don't know why but this is what happened elijah was afraid so after doing all those miracles seeing all those miracles walking with god he got afraid he ran for his life and when he came to Bathsheba in judah he left his servant there, so he cut himself off. He went off in, on his own while he went a day's journey into the desert. And he came to a broom tree, he sat down under it, and he prayed that he would die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down and fell asleep. So, you know, he had a mighty crash, didn't he? Um, and from great heights to great depths. So where did he go wrong there? Well, he didn't go to God first with his worries and his fear. Uh, he ran away and he isolated himself. And that's what we do, isn't it? When we're hurting, we, we hide and we cut ourselves off from people because they're hard. Um, so I think, you know, there's a lot we can learn from Elijah and what not to do. He then started to believe the lies in his head and think wrong thoughts, and we're going to talk a bit about that later. So I, what, what was God's answer to this? I think if I was God, I'd be really fed up with Elijah, because <laughs> he's seen the miracles no one else saw, and yet he, that happened. And um, so we, I just wanted to look at what was God's answer? What did what was God do with Elijah? Did he get cross and, you know, punish him? No, this, this is what God did. He... Um, he saw that Elijah was exhausted and hungry and he sent an angel who made hot bread on some hot coals. How exciting is that? 
and um, he said uh, uh, the angel told Elijah sleep eat twice sleep eat you're not strong enough to go on so God met Elijah's physical needs first so sometimes we just need to watch we just do too much we need to rest more we need to make sure that we are looking after ourselves physically and then he spoke to Elijah God gave him directions he said Elijah what are you doing here you know what are you doing here on your own what are you doing in this place <laughs> and um, this is what Elijah said to God he said I have been very zealous for the Lord look at me the Israelites have rejected your covenant broken down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword I am the only one left and now they are trying to kill me too so he had a bit of a pity party which again we do don't we when we're really low um, how did God treat him this is what God did and we've had it this morning when we had it upstairs oh no it was Anna's seminar the Lord said go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord for the Lord is about to pass by and then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord but the Lord was not in the wind and after the wind there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake and after the earthquake came a fire but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire came a gentle whisper and when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face, he went out and he stood at the mouth of the cave. So he had to listen and he had to wait for God to speak. And I think that is what we have to do. We have to wait for God to speak. Um, he also encouraged him. Look, he said to him, come to me, hear me, Elijah, spend time with me. But he said, look, you think you're on your own. You're not on your own. 7,000 others have not bowed the knee to Baal. I've got 7,000 others out there. And I think that's, again, a challenge for our thinking, isn't it? When we're low, go to other people. Don't isolate yourself. There are other people who can get alongside and help you. And what I love about the, the end of this story is that um, he was recommissioned. You know, God didn't give up on Elijah and say, well, you're rubbish, get out. He said... No, get up, Elijah. I've got stuff for you to do. I'm going to redirect you. I'm going to get you going again. He said, go and anoint kings. He had to go and anoint two new kings for Israel. And he said, I'm going to give you someone as a helper. I'm going to get you to train and mentor your successor, Elisha, who's going to have a double portion in the end of what Elijah had. So he was recommissioned to, do, to carry on and do stuff. And later on in the story he had to face Ahab again so you know the person Ahab and Jezebel he was really the most terrified of and ran from God said well go again and tell him I'm going to kill him <laughs> so that was probably quite scary and he had to go and give them a word and um, and he did it because he was recommissioned he was back in God's presence and uh, back on track again and in the end he was the only person who didn't die Elijah was taken into glory in a chariot of fire very exciting and did a miracle along the way parted the, the sea the water with his cloak on the way so you know I think from this I just got that God is so gracious and loving he never gave up on Elijah and he never gives up on anyone of us we come to him whatever's happened whatever stage whether we're coping with life or not coping with life come back to God he can recommission and he can encourage so we're going to talk about uh, the other thing I want to look at was Jesus because Jesus is always the answer and um, 
I'm running out of time, as I knew I would. So I'm going to fly through this. But we know that, that Jesus faced everything we face. And because of that, he understands. So he, he gets our emotions. He understands that we struggle with fear, anxiety, loneliness, grief, rejection. He's been there. So we can go to him and pour it out to him, like, they, like David did in the Psalms, uh, and give it to him. Um, he slept in the storm. So I was thinking about this when he was in the storm with the disciples. I think that, you know, the answer was he did stop the storm, but that wasn't the plan. The plan was for the disciples to know they were okay in the storm. So when we're going through a storm, Jesus is there. Come to him. And think sometimes it doesn't stop, but God's there with us. Jesus suffered Gethsemane. This was his darkest hour. And, you know, none of us are going to go to a darker hour than that. So if we're in a dark hour, take it to Jesus. And he, in the end, he said, not my will, but your will, God. He, he had to come to that place. If Jesus did, we do. And also he, he, he did it on the cross. He defeated Satan and he reversed the curse. So all that stuff that's happened at the beginning, the separation, the blame, the fear, the shame, is gone in the cross and through Jesus. So he fights for us in glory and he sends the Spirit as our helper. What have we got next? There's this picture. Well, I was on holiday, uh, there was this vin- vineyard and um, I was, what I was struck by was the vine. The vine, uh, I was shocked, was, I don't know why I thought it would be like a nice round tree really, but it's quite broken and gnarled and twisted, the vine. And it reminds me of Jesus in Isaiah 53, that no, he was broken for us. But the fruit is beautiful. And the fruit was nowhere near the vine. The fruit was like, the, the vine was miles away. So we can be quite away, but if we're rooted in that vine, like we've been hearing from Jean, we're gonna bear fruit through what he's done for us. So again, I asked God for tools and keys because I think the Bible's always the answer. But here's some of the keys God gave me through the New Testament. So the first one was gratitude. And we've talked a bit about that today. Praise and worship. I find more than anything, uh, put, put your praise and worship tapes on, you know, walk in the woods, <laughs> listening to it, whatever you do, start praising God and being thankful. Look for what things in your life to be thankful for. Trust, trust God. This is, this is difficult when times are hard. But we have to get our eyes off the circumstances and onto Jesus. And Job said, you know, Job suffered more than anyone else probably. He lost everything, didn't he, in the Bible? But he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. He learned that God was good, even though the stuff isn't good that's going on around me. And we've got to get to that point that God is good and he's for us. Forgiveness. Forgiveness um, blocks our relationship with God and it, it, we forgive and we don't let people off the hook as in what happened to us was all right. But when we forgive, then it heals us. So God said, you know, leave it with me. Your job is to forgive. My job is to sort that out. And you're not saying it's all right, but forgiveness is a key to uh, breakthrough in a lot of areas. So then I've got beware comparing and control. 
I'm terrible at this. So we compare with each other, don't we? So say, oh, well, I'm not as good as them, and look at them, look what they're doing, and I wish I was like that. And, <laughs> and we heard a lot today about you are yourself, don't be looking at what everyone else is doing, run your own race. And if you've got issues, name them. That was another thing in the mindfulness, is to name things. So that you would say, I don't know, I'm jealous of that person. And not out loud, but you know, when you're praying or when you're in your head on your own, you'd say, Lord, that's that jealousy coming again. Help me to deal with it. So you name it and you ask God to help you. Control. Listen to me, I'm a bit of a control freak. Here we go. So we have to let that go and give it to God because we can't control everything. And we've had this this morning, be still and know God. Because, um, oh sorry, I've jumped one. Guilt and shame, guilt and shame. So again, we've had that this morning. I am who you say I am. Don't feel guilty because God's made you as you are. So you go to him and say, help me to be the best in Jesus I can be. Um, be still and know. Dwelling in his presence is, is the thing dwelling in his presence take thoughts captive we're gonna I'm just gonna go into that a little bit more in a minute um, and then standing and fighting sometimes you just you know it's tough and we're not hearing answers and we're, we've just got to hang in there until we get breakthrough but we don't do that alone as a church and as Christians we have others we can get alongside I've got a picture uh, this is not a very good picture <laughs> This is just a picture of being still, waiting. Um, recently on holiday in Cyprus, and we went to this turtle beach to see turtles laying eggs in the middle of the night. And so, oh, it's all lovely, lovely. So you go with your, your, you know, your hamper and your picnic, and you, and um, we sat on a beach in the dark, uh, in the cold for about I don't well I don't, about four hours. <laughs> So the first hour is fun, and then after that you're thinking, oh, well, I'm just really tired now. And about one o'clock in the morning, you're thinking, I've really had enough, I want to go home. And then, and then the turtles came, and it was amazing. We were just like, everyone was like, oh, we're going to... And we saw, we saw a green turtle and a loggerhead turtle um, laying eggs and then burying them and going into the sea. It was amazing. But you know what? We nearly missed it because we nearly gave up. And that's why I'm just going to say that you hang in and you wait and God will come. So those are my keys. Two practical tools from the Bible. The, the biggest ver verses for um, anxiety, uh, well, most well known, Philippians 4. And in that, uh, there's a book on the book list. And this is a little aid memoir from that book. The Anxious for Nothing book. And it's just about bringing calm into your storm, really. So this is from, I'll read Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So this is a little aid memoir, so C-A-L-M, calm, celebrate God's goodness, we've just had that. Praise God, be thankful, ask God for help, take it to him, pray about it, and then leave it with him, that's the hard bit, eh? Leave it with him, <laughs> and meditate on good things. 
They uh, talk about strongholds in your mind and tearing down strongholds and changing our thinking. The Bible talks a lot about that in 2 Corinthians 10. And the answer to that is not agreeing with the devil's lies because we looked at our weaknesses earlier. And so what the devil does, because the devil's not nice, he will come when you're feeling low, at your lowest, and he will say, well, look at you, you're rubbish at that. And look at you, you've done that again. And look at you, you've thought that thought again. And that's how he is. And, and we have to learn to recognize that voice and say, no, uh, God says this. I've got a little, uh, you can have a hand out if you wish later. I stick this on my fridge. I think um, Jean was saying this morning about having anti-verses, wasn't she? Well, I've got a little white version here. It says, you say, God says. So it says things like, I can't, uh, I'm too tired. And God says, I will give you rest. Nobody loves me. God says, I love you. It's things like that. So that's just a little, sort of little bit. You can have those if you wish to help you. But get those verses, like Jean said. Get the antidote to the, to the, the negative thought that the, that, um, that the devil puts there. Because our job is to tear up those lies and challenge them not to accept them and which is our sort of the easy thing to do and my final tool is the armor of god and we've had this this morning as well this in ephesians 6 is where we there's quite a lot in it and i think the best book i've got for this is this fervent priscilla shira book goes through things in great depth about how how the enemy attacks your mind in certain areas and how we put on the armor but just to run through it very quickly because i'm running out of time <laughs> as i knew i would <laughs> so i got a bit carried away as you can tell um we put on each thing of armor we put on the truth is the big one that we are knowing who we are in christ that our identity is in christ and we focus on what God says about us and not what the enemy says about us. To recognise that voice and to know the Bible's truth. Here's um, a little quote that's from a, a Max, Max Licardo book, Glory Days. It says, you are heaven's first and final attempt at you. You are matchless, unprecedented and unequalled. You can do something no one else can do and in a way that no one else can. So that's the sort of place we've got to get to and challenge our thoughts with. <laughs> I'm talking to myself here as well. And this was from, I went to the colour conference and this was a guy called Bob Goff. Um, he, he, was, uh, he, he had this little quote about our identity. It says, stop trying to look like each other. God never looked at, in your mirror and wished you were someone else. You look like Jesus and be you. On your worst day, Jesus calls you beloved. Any other voice is not God. So know that God loves us. Um, the breastplate, that's just living right. So we choose to obey God because that protects us. Peace, we live in peace with each other. I was listening to a Bill Johnson uh, podcast. Podcasts are great, aren't they? They're free, you can listen to loads of those. And um, he was saying about the shoes in a Roman armour is that you, they had a spike on them and they stuck you in the ground so a Roman soldier would be stuck in the ground so when they came with their swords at him he couldn't move and this he said that we need to be unmoved by circumstance and that comes through having our peace in God so when this horrible stuff comes at us we've got that peace we don't move and also that we live in peace with others we live in harmony and unity 
the shield of faith. So this is that trust, this, we've talked about this already, but trusting God when circumstances are not good and when the devil's coming at us with lies. Trust God. He is good. The helmet of salvation. So think saved thoughts is what I've got here. Grace, God's grace over your life. You're secure in him. Your identity is in him. All your thoughts are through Jesus' salvation and what he's done on the cross. And our attack, our attack weapon is the Bible, as we know. Just like Jesus attacked the enemy when he was tempted with biblical verses. He said, it is written, it is written. And we have to learn to do that. Pray in the Spirit. I find the Holy Spirit, obviously, is, a, is your big uh, comforter, but also he's your big weapon. So I will walk in the woods, I will pray in tongues when things get tough and I don't know how to pray anymore. Uh, you know sometimes we pray for things and we don't see breakthrough and it's hard but we have to keep going and sometimes we run out of words ask the Holy Spirit pray in tongues and he will give you the words to keep going and keep praying and persevere we keep alert for the enemy and we persevere okay so I'm not too bad right final slide so just to sum it up, I put these things here for our theme of abide. I think we need to know that God is in control and that God is on our side because sometimes we think God's against us, don't we? And that, that's where the enemy's coming in and putting doubts. God is on our side and we are his loved daughters, so we're loved children. We will stay close to God and keep rooted. We'll grow to be more like Jesus. And we, this, this causes us to be fruitful. But as we've heard already, relationship with God is always the answer.